Sports literature often falls between two stools, too populist for the literati, too highfalutin for sports fans. The case for giving some of our best literary non-fiction sports writers more credit for their work will be argued at a panel as part of the upcoming Featherston Booktown in the Wairarapa. Winning writing, the case for sports literature, will ask why sports writing doesn't get the same recognition as other literary genres. I spoke to two of the panellists, Roger Robinson, author of When Running Made History, and Suzanne McFadden, the editor of Newsroom's Locker Room that's dedicated to women's sport. Suzanne also wrote Striking Gold, the story behind New Zealand hockey's remarkable victory, remember that, at the 1976 Olympic Games. First, I asked Roger why he believes that sports writing is the poor relation of other forms of literature. Well, it's a, it's a complex question, but it, but it's one that's been been addressed by Lloyd Jones, for instance. He did an essay in 1999 when he was working on the Book of Fame. So clearly, these things were very much in his mind when he lamented what he called the gap between New Zealand literature and sport, and so the two had gone in parallel lines and never actually acknowledged each other. And this has been a problem. I I wrote the entry in the Oxford Companion to New Zealand Literature saying the same thing. There are reasons, I think, that date back to kind of attitudes in British culture to games and things like that. And it took quite an extreme form in New Zealand with the literary intelligentsia world kind of positioning itself as superior to sport. And this, of course, was a reaction, I suppose, to um, sport getting so much attention from the public. And writers feeling, you know, they deserve some of that attention and wanting to position themselves uh, in a more privileged way. And there are quite a number of works that did that. I mean, Mulgan classically said uh, sports values are not so much wrong as primitive. <laughs> well, you know, well, well, that kind of puts us in our place. <laughs> so, so uh, but, but what we want to do when we're talking at Featherstone is be much more positive and talk about books that really are good examples like Suzanne's and Keith's of really good books, really well-written books, which are about sport and which do, do other things as well as just describe who won what and when. So, so that, that's the basic concept of it. Suzanne, when you were writing your book, were you aware of the fact that you were one of few uh, who would attempt something like Striking Gold? Uh, I guess I was. There's this wonderful challenge to take a moment in sporting history and show that it's about much more than sport. You know, the the social importance of a group of New Zealand men coming together and winning a gold medal at the Olympic Games in, in 1976 in Montreal when they were far from favourites to do so and how that affected their lives after that. So it wasn't just, like Roger says, it's not just about the score lines or or who scored the goals, or who they lost to, who they beat. It's about a group of people coming together, enjoying each other's company, but also playing off each other's physical strengths, and how that also thrilled a nation. And there's just so much to sports writing. A game in itself can be a novel. And I just feel so privileged to be able to to tell it. It's that bigger story, Roger, and is that what people don't think about? I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of the most common sporting books that come out, and they tend to be biographies, don't they, of of high-profile New Zealand sports men, particularly, but sometimes women. Uh, And that's a story, but it's not the biggest story. Yeah, that was the point that Lloyd made in that essay, Lloyd-Jones made, when when he he said that... um, 
sports writing, sports writers have kept themselves within a very narrow scope and literary writers haven't seen sport on the whole as something worth their while writing about. And so the two have gone in parallel. It's exactly that. What I did with When Running Made History was uh, the very title is a kind of loud announcement that running is much more than just a sport and that it interrelates with the Cold War, with Britain's recovery from World War II, with the rise of Africa, with... with, um, the situation of Christchurch at the time of the Commonwealth Games and again after the earthquake and with um, the environment and with drugs <laughs> and with old age and all these absolute major issues of our time and running interconnects with all of those in a way that illustrates them. And I tried to do something that, again, Lloyd in that essay says is, is missing, which is add the personal element, add the writer, because everything in that book was personally observed by me. And even though only three of the chapters are actually about New Zealand, in that way it's a very New Zealand book because New Zealand literature is very good at being an observer. You know, I often said New Zealand literature loves to be the semi-detached narrator. Um, (laughs) And that's what I am in that book. I'm semi-detached. It's not about me, but it's about my observation. Chapter one from me when I was nine years old through to the last chapter when I was 79 years old. And so it, it, is, it is highly personal in that sense. So it's history seen from the grassroots but also seen through my eyes. And that seems to me to be a totally literary concept, to put those things together and, 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 and weave them. It's not fiction, but it, but it could be. Suzanne, if, if the argument is that our sports literature is underappreciated, what, what can be done, do you think? There could be more books written about sport. I I know it's kind of a catch-22 situation. But the market, I guess, the sports writing market is flooded with books about athletes, like you said, mostly male athletes. In a lot of cases, they're written while the athlete is still in their prime. It's not the end of their story. And I find that quite hard to get my head around sometimes when you see you know, a, a book on an all-black who's still playing. That's like, how can that capture an entire story? Yeah, I would like to see more books like Rogers that you know look intelligently at how a sport affects society or how a society you know interrelates with with sport and those those kind of books take a long time and that's the other thing there aren't a lot of sports writers out there and and not many who are willing to devote a lot of time to writing a book well probably fewer sports journalists now Suzanne than than you know for a very long time because of the cuts to media yeah absolutely Lynn and it's so sad to see that it's an industry, it's an area in, in the journalism industry that's really struggling to keep its ground, I guess. But and, lo- uh, yeah, I mean, I'd just really like to see more books out there. Lots of unemployed sports journalists now are all doing podcasts. They get, get more of them to, to write books. <laughs> and and <Yeah>. also <laughs> what we want, another answer to your question, Lynn, is, is that we would like the New Zealand reading public to look at books written about sport. I'm not now talking about when a novelist decides to include some sport. You know, that's, that's kind of celebrity culture because the, the, the writer is already known. I'm talking about people like Suzanne and me who really, and Keith who really know the sport from the inside but can also write. We want 
to have that appreciated as something of literary value and not just for the sporting audience. That, and that's why for Featherstone to invite us to do this panel is really a big step. When I think the only time that, and Suzanne was involved in this, the only time that a literary festival has acknowledged sport before, they wanted the discussion to be on sport and society. And I said, well, you know, I'm not really interested in Sociology 101. I'm interested in why my book is worth reading in the same way that a novel would be or a poem and, and, and given the same respect uh, for the complexities of its right. Or, or Suzanne's book. I mean, she says she, she struggled with, with getting from short form to long form. But it's a masterpiece of construction with the way she does all the biographies of each of the players and then weaves them together and gets the way in which they, the chemistry finally of the team actually works and gets those really quirky, you know, different people from different backgrounds and puts them together and forges a single unit. Very skillful bit, bit of writing. So that's, that's how a sports book can work. And if we want to get more of it, we just want more people to appreciate those that are there and then, and then go on and produce more. I wonder if there's a kind of snobbery. I remember interviewing Terry Pratchett, who was... It's a sidebar, but he's a master of, of satirical fantasy writing, one of the best in the world. And he was he found that the literary community, in inverted commas, didn't accept fantasy as a valid, respected, you know, worthwhile, uh, brilliant genre. And he railed against this for, for most of his life, and he was hugely successful. And I wondered here, Suzanne, maybe is there some kind of snobbery in the literary scene, and maybe amongst readers too, that... Literature regarding sports just isn't going to cut it, isn't up there with other literary forms. Yeah, I think this is uh, probably a deep-seated issue where, you know, there's quite an element of chauvinism around sport, you know, that people think that sports jocks play it and sports jocks watch it. But the audience is much broader. I mean, I know that from my writing now that centres around women in sport and, you know, so many interesting people engage with it because they see that it is more than just, um, well, what we do is more than just results. The thing that I love most about sports writing is that even in a sports, if you were looking, watching a sports game, you know, there's the the roller coaster of emotions, the hype and passion, you know, you've got the sitting on the edge of your seat anticipation and then the victory and the tragedy when you lose. And that makes a beautiful story on its own. So, yeah, I do think that there is um, an element of snobbery out there. And like Roger says, I just wish that people would give us a chance and you know, read more sports stories and understand that there's so much more to them. They're, they're much more complex than I think what people think. Yeah, and that, that means that one thing that, that we can do, probably better than people who are writing poetry or highly intellectual novels, we can reach a really broad audience. And I know that the readership that I've got in mind covers the complete range of, of, of people, you know, from you know, some of my running mates who are builders and gardeners and, and whatever, and, and it's international as well, you know, international English-speaking world, and I've got readers in America and UK and, I mean, right down to Australia. Um, and, and, but at the same time, 
I'm also writing for people who will appreciate that you know, one of my chapters is alluding to James Joyce's portrait of the artist as a young man, and another is film noir, and, and, and another echoes Tess of the D'Urbervilles, and so on. And I'm always trying to write for that complete range. And I don't think many writers actually do that. I don't think many of them are writing for, you know, the builder in the wire wrapper who's in my mind because he's one of my mates and I know he loves my writing. I mean, that can be a fear for somebody who's not uh, maybe into their sports and that they're, they're worried about reading a book and they won't understand the rules of the game, for example. But that's not really what you're writing about, is it? You don't need to know what all the positions are oh, in no. a cricket team no, or a rugby no. team or a football team exactly. or a netball team. A, d- a decent, competent writer will put all that across in some unobtrusive way. I mean, I will always say, you know, what the lap times mean, and Suzanne will explain, you know, just what they're doing and they're whacking that ball around. And, and, and <laughs> that's actually a very simple kind of basic craft to explain those things. I always think of a letter that I was sent from the man, I guess we regard as the doyen of sports writers in New Zealand, the late Sir Terry McLean, who said to me, the human story is the best story. And I take that with me every time I sit down to write. And the person that I write for is my mum. And she loved sport, you know, played a lot of sport. But she may not be an expert on any sport, but she loves to read about people. And I think that's really important, that that thing that I keep in my head all the time. And it's actually the way that I survived 25 years of writing about the America's Cup without knowing how to sail. <laughs> I, I, I wrote about the people, and it reaches out to a much wider audience. What's happening overseas, uh, Roger? Is it, I don't know, America, for example, is it a different scene over there? Do more people write about sport and be published about sport? Yes, yes. There's, there's much more acceptance of sport as a reputable thing to write about, you know, whether you're, you're Roth or George Plimpton or, or, or whoever. Sport enters into their kind of major literature in a much more natural way than it mostly has done here, with, with exceptions like Lloyd-Jones in, in the Book of Fame. And another, another culture which takes sports writing much more seriously is France. They've never had this kind of elite. I think it, that's why I, I suspect it's something to do with these old inherited colonial British attitudes which have still lingered around. You know, something about sport is something that you only do on the side or something like that. It's not real work it's, or, or something. I haven't, I haven't got it figured out completely. But if, if America can do it differently and France can do it differently, then we've perhaps inherited something from Britain, it's time we grew out of it. And, and I think we are growing out of it. Uh, and maybe the more multicultural our sport becomes, that's also going to help. We talked before about, you know, you're keen to get more people reading sports writing. How about publishers? Suzanne, with Striking Gold, uh, did you need to do um, any hard, hard work to get the book published? It was self-published in the end, Lynn, because um, we, we, we took it to a number of publishers and uh, they weren't interested. So... Uh, I think the problem is that they're looking for uh, books about something that's happening now with more historic stories, I think, maybe harder to sell. So, yeah, it's a, it is a hard sell. I know that I've been to publishers with books about sports women and uh, been told that really the only people who buy sports books are women for men at Christmas time or Father's Day. And so it's, um, 
it's quite hard to take, you know, when you've got what you think will be a great idea for a book, but nobody um, is willing to publish it. But it is also difficult even to get serious attention. I mean, I was really annoyed that the listener didn't review my book, for instance. Well, his book, which is actually about everything they claim to stand for, <laughs> you know, an intellectual approach to, the, to New Zealand's common culture, and they didn't touch it. They did a nice review. Paul Thomas did a great review of Suzanne's book, I'm glad to say, that, uh, that, but that was at an earlier point in the listener's history. So it was very hard to get, a, get even an intelligent review. There were one or two good ones in local newspapers around the country, but nothing central. Suzanne, do you think the issue with, with drugs, you know, when you have something that can be a blight on a sport, it's hard when something like that can discredit sport. Do you think that's had an impact, or, or maybe the amount of money that goes into the America's Cup can also build up some resentment? So there can be disillusionment and resentment against some sports. Does that have an impact, do you think? Does your heart sink when there's another kind of scandal come through? Yeah, it does, actually. But to be honest that only adds to the whole intrigue around sport. Why have drugs become such a major issue? Why is sailing still seen as a sport only for rich men? I just think it it paints an amazing picture of how sport reaches into different parts of our lives. And in Striking Gold, part of the, the story was the African boycott of the 1976 Olympics and the politics around it. And I think that those things have all, always been a major player in sport. And, and while, yes, my heart does sink when there's an, another drama involving sport, it also you also know, you know, it also rings a little bell in your head and go, there's a story there and, and you want to get inside it and understand it more. So um, it can work both ways, I think. We as writers are reacting to the situation, uh, and the situation involved drugs. And one of the things that, again, go back to that essay by Lloyd-Jones, he, he says that sports writers haven't put the personal in. You know, they, they've, they've had to detach themselves and just write about the guys playing rugby. And where is the writer's sensibility, he says. Well, when I was writing about drugs in my book... That my sensibility was right there because I said, I detest it. I hate it. I'm deeply hurt by it. As a television commentator, I really struggled to deal with it without getting Television New Zealand sued. <laughs> um, um, but expressing my feelings, which were those of complete loss, that here's something I've loved my whole life, and now it's being totally messed up. So all of that is really, is the, the writer is entitled to express strong feeling. Why not about sport just as about anything else where society is going wrong? And certainly, certainly I, I do that quite freely. Suddenly, you know, I'm a historian, and suddenly here's a big chunk of history. I mean, like the Tour de France, they have simply annulled something like eight years of the Tour de France. There is no history of that event now. So as a historian, how do I cope with that? How do I cope with all the world records? So... Uh, I'm not just saying it's bad because it, that's to talk about sport in a social sense. I'm talking about in a literary sense. Me, as writer, express my utter detestation of it. Suzanne McFadden and Roger Robinson, they and Keith Quinn will discuss winning writing the case for sports and literature on Saturday at the Royal Hotel as part of Featherston Booktown.